welcome back to uh, Top 25 Voter Pod with a couple of Top 25 basketball voters. Chad Conine, uh, he's probably there on the recording. He's here on my screen. but And then John Werner right there. Guys, good to see y'all. Right on. Right on. <laughs> yeah, is it spring break 75 for you, Johnny? Uh, there, or? All right, all right. <laughs> Feeling good. <laughs> so, uh, Chad, the uh, the Baylor women uh, swept two games from Texas in the span of three days, one in Waco, one in Austin, obviously. Uh, that was Less than 48 hours, actually, when you think about it, because Friday game tipped at 7, and uh, we were done working and back on the road by 7 on Sunday. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, that, that Those two wins came after a uh, – last second loss to Oklahoma disappointing game there. So just how impressive was that bounce back performance by the Baylor women? And, and what are the chances they can, you know, climb up there with Oklahoma and Iowa state, and maybe compete for the big 12 title. Well, I feel like they're right there. Um, and you know, that, that two game little series, it, it kind of separated things because I think it really knocks Texas back in terms of competing for the conference championship. Now, early in the year when Texas won at Stanford and, uh, you know, we, we jumped up into the top 25 and all that, they were, uh, you know, I would have thought they were really a favorite to compete for the conference championship. And, they, and they've dropped a couple of uh, key early games in Texas Tech and Kansas. And now they've lost the two to Baylor and, that really hurts them uh, in terms of, you know, playing for a conference championship, which I thought they would be able to do. Uh, but it really illustrates something to me. And, and I think a lot of people, in fact, I saw a headline, I believe from the Houston Chronicle, how uh, the Baylor Texas matchup kind of defines the early part of the Vic Schaefer and Nikki Collin uh, tenures at their respective schools. And I don't really uh, I don't really see that for, for Coach Collin because, you know, her standard that she's trying to keep up with is to win the conference championship. And Texas hadn't really been in that mix, obviously. You know, Baylor's won 11 in a row. Texas hadn't always even been second or third, you know. And um, so, you know, th the standard for Baylor, the Baylor women is to win the Big 12 championship. But even if they do that, it's not a failure because if you go to the Sweet 16 or Elite 8, you know, you've you've kind of kept that streak going. So I don't think, um, you know, it's kind of a disappointment that Texas isn't better. But um, but I don't think I don't think Baylor is necessarily judged by their performance against Texas. And uh, but at the, at the same time, I'm sure Baylor fans really did enjoy beating Texas twice in three days. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Uh Baylor fans and enjoy beating Texas in anything, uh, you know, tiddlywinks or, uh, you know, I don't know. Not only that, uh, I think Texas, you know, uh, Texas has the distinction of being, um, uh, well, like I know Texas tech fans are this way. Baylor fans are this way. Their favorite team is Baylor or Texas tech. Their second favorite team is whoever's playing Texas. No doubt. And it's not just a little jokey thing, you know. I mean, I was at a bar back in October whenever Kansas got that miracle two-point conversion, and I wasn't even watching the game, and I knew what had just happened, you know. <laughs> yeah, and in that respect, I mean, that's one of those things about Texas leaving for the SEC that 
that we'll certainly miss. I mean, I think. Uh, I think it's inflamed it, though. I think it's made it very much a sticking point with a lot of people and, a, and just that much more reason to dislike Texas and anything burnt orange related. Well, and it certainly was that way with, with A&M as well. So, yeah. Um, John, the, the Baylor men are coming off really a humbling loss at, uh, at Lawrence, uh, 83 to 59, um, very lopsided game. And Scott Drew's team is four and four in its last eight games. Uh, obviously they were ranked number one earlier in the season, but you know, the good news is they are starting to get a little healthier again. LJ Cryer is the only guy that is questionable currently. Um, so the question is, can the Bears get back to what they were earlier in the year when they were 15 and 0? I think that's going to be really difficult because Cryer's foot is a lingering problem. He, he broke it in the summer. He set out two games in December, but they were games that they could win easily without them. Now they've, they're playing games that they can't win easily without them. And uh, I think you saw it against Kansas uh, with LJ out Flagler wasn't shooting well in the first half, man, they just uh, destroyed a Ken Joe, their defense. Um, he went over 11 for the game. He went scoreless. Um, if you don't have some, some more outside threats out there, you know, Kendall's going to have a hard time getting the offense going. And uh, I I don't know if they can get back to playing that way. Uh, maybe defensively they can, but offensively, if if Cryer's not back, they're not going to score like they did. He, he's a great shooter. He's the best shooter, uh, best three-point shooter in the Big 12. It, it'll be very hard if, if LJ's foot – uh, continues being a lingering issue. Yeah, you know, I, I agree that I think their issues go beyond just the injuries that they've had. Mm -hmm. um, I love Kendall Brown. I think he's going to be um, a lottery pick. I mean, but at the same time, I feel like he has some games where he kind of fades into the background a little bit. Um, you'd, you'd like maybe a little bit more out of him. And I've said it all season, as good as this team is, and I think they are good, um, are they great? That's that's debatable, and I, I think it all boils down to – and it doesn't help that they're following a national championship <laughs> team because you automatically – your brain automatically starts comparing them to the previous year. And this collection of guards is just not at that same level. You had – Davion Mitchell, who was the defensive player of the year in the country. You mm -hmm. had Jared Butler, who was just a big game player. Uh, great, you know, player I thought really overlooked in the draft to me, falling to the second round. And then Macy Oteague was a, was a veteran guy who could get buckets. So, you know, uh, you know, they're just not quite at that level. No. When you talk about those three guys, I can't help but think of like my favorite trio in the history of college basketball. And this is stepping outside of my Red Raider loyalty. Okay. But, uh, and this, this group didn't win a championship, but I always loved uh, Todd Day, Lee Mayberry, and Oliver Miller oh. in Arkansas, you know, and that just that big three that they had. And, and, and I think Baylor had 
you know, I, I have to begrudgingly admit they had a trio that was worthy of comparison with that group. Yeah. Cer probably compared really well. Yeah, certainly yeah, not. Sure. Obviously the big O was a, was a big guy, but um, right. what, what those three allowed guys like Flo Thamba and Matthew Meyer and those guys to do was to be more just the, the fill-ins, you know, mm -hmm. um, they, right. You know, and then they and they had Mark Vidal, who we didn't even talk about, too. So, yeah, that was that was a special team for Baylor. And, and this one is good, but, you know, uh, we'll see just how good. And which leads me to my next question, which is um, obviously the Big 12 race, uh, you know, tightened up a little bit after Texas upset Kansas on uh, Monday in Austin. Kansas is now eight and two, a game up on Baylor and Tech, who are seven and three, followed it by the Longhorns at seven and four. Who in you guys' mind has the best shot at winning the Big 12? Yeah, I know I know this sounds like a broken record, but uh I think Kansas definitely has the best shot. They're a game ahead. Um, they played a lot of their tough games already. Uh, they still have to go to Baylor. Uh, they've got Texas at home, but they played Tech twice already. And uh, I, I think Texas Tech's got a pretty good shot. I think they've got a better shot than Baylor. Baylor's got a lot of hard games left, two against Texas, Kansas, uh, then also Tech on the road and Oklahoma State on the road. That probably won't be an easy game since they beat them here. So I would say I would go Kansas, uh, probably the best chance, then Texas Tech, and then Baylor. Yeah, we're kind of back where we started on that deal, right? Kansas didn't get punished, and here they are right where they always were. <laughs> <laughs> yep, <laughs> pretty much. Here's the other thing, though, and speaking of the NCAA not punishing Kansas, aside from the Big 12 championship, I think these three teams and maybe you could even throw Texas in there maybe if they make a run, but they're playing to be – the Big 12 representative in, in the San Antonio regional, I would think, you know, mm -hmm. because whoever that team is, especially if it's Texas Tech, Baylor, or Texas, uh, they're going to have a lot of people in the Alamo Dome if they can get to the Sweet 16 in the Alamo Dome, yeah. you know? That's a good point. Yeah. Honestly, uh, and so I was watching SportsCenter last night, uh, and they were talking uh, college basketball, Scott Van Pelt and Joe Lenardi, who does a lot of those uh, bracketology you know, projections. And um, one of the questions was that, that uh, SVP asked Lenardi was um, basically a version of what we talked about last week on this podcast, um, whether the big 12 might get a one seed at the, at the end of the year, because basically the big 12 champions probably going to have a few more losses than some of these other teams that might be competing for a one seed. Uh, and, in the course of that conversation, uh, there was also talk about Purdue and, uh, you know, Purdue might be a, a, a one, might, might be a two, um, but, you know, they want to play, I'm trying to remember where that regional was, but it was closer to them, maybe it was Indianapolis, I don't remember. But to me, that's almost a bigger deal, as Chad talks about, than, than your seeding, whether mm -hmm. you're one or two. If you're if you're in a region that's sort of closer to home, that to me is a bigger advantage than just your seating. Like we talked about last week, 
you can win a national championship as a two or a three or whatever, you know? So, yeah, that's um, a good point. you know, where you play is a, is a big deal. Mm. All right. Well, uh, so back to the Baylor women, um, they play Kansas state tomorrow night as we film the podcast Wednesday night. Um, this game features two of the best, Scorers, rebounders, players uh, in the Big 12 in the country in uh, Nalissa Smith for Baylor and uh, a, a Yoka Lee of Kansas State. Of course, uh, Lee had that 61-point game that we talked about earlier in the season. She also had 32-10 and 10, uh, in K-State's 68-59 win over Baylor in the conference opener early January. How do you expect, Chad, the Bears to defend her this time? Are they going to handle her a little bit better? Well, um, I would think if you went back and watched the film of that previous game that you're going to see a lot of the same stuff. Now, uh, Nikki, I remember saying before that game, is they need to always have somebody running by her, you know, and just kind of maybe a satellite deal where somebody's just going around her and around her and around her all the time. But the other thing is uh, – the Baylor women and Nikki Collin and her staff would be perfectly happy for Ayoka Lee to have 32 and 10 again, as long as their three point shooters didn't, you know, make eight or 10 shots and beat them that way. Uh, that was, that was a big key is, is their freshman guards uh, were on it that night and, and they made a lot of shots. And so that's going to be, I think an even bigger factor. Now, you know, they don't want to leap Ayoka Lee to score 40 or 50, you know, uh, which she's obviously capable of doing. But, um, gosh, just what a fantastic matchup, though. But and you're not going to – I mean, Baylor doesn't have really anybody that's going to, you know, get on Lee and shut her down like the way that, you know, they would do with Charlie Collier last year or, uh, you know, the way maybe Kalani or Lauren would guard people, you know, a few years ago. Uh, it's, it's kind of a – I mean – Queen Egbo is so foul prone that sticking Queen on her and say stop her from scoring is just a recipe for Queen to be on the bench. Mm. So uh, you're going to see some creativity. You're going to see some, you know, probably some double teaming and matchups to try to keep her from getting the ball in the post. But one of their biggest concerns is not getting burned from, you know, beyond the arc. So Chad, do the does K State play basically inside out where they? You know, they go through Lee, but, you know, if she's double teamed, they'll kick it out to the shooters. I mean, I, I would say, yeah, that's my, from my recollection. Recollection, And you guys know I'm not a film junkie. I'm not one to watch all the games of the whole season and dissect that. I just I just don't see the uh, up, the upside of using my time that way. And I'm sure, Bryce, you don't want to pay me the overtime to do that. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, well, the only reason I really mentioned it was just an excuse to say, uh, of course, some of my favorite basketball teams of all time played that way. Uh, the inside out game. Right. Talking about the mid 90s Houston Rockets, who had yep. the best center on the planet, one of the best of all time in Akeem Olajuwon. And they just surrounded him with. You know, Kenny Smith and Vernon Maxwell and Mario Ellie and Robert Ory. And, uh, you know, so it was I loved it. It was uh, well, it worked, worked one. I have watched enough to know that Ayoka doesn't exactly have a dream shake. <laughs> She's just but big and she has a great she has great touch around the basket. Though. Mm. And 
that is, um, it, it, it's a rare commodity commodity in the women's game. I mean, if you watch Texas, I, I wish I had a dollar for every uh, shot Texas missed around the ba- basket. You know, in the last two games against Baylor, I take both you guys to Diamondbacks. <laughs> I love it. I would. I would go. Uh, well, just one other comment about that that game and that matchup between K-State and Baylor. Um, obviously, Ayoka Lee is a great player and probably the front runner for player of the year in the Big 12. I tell you, Melissa Smith is special. I mean, she is smooth. Um, I think Nikki Collin has just unleashed her and, and sort of uh, elevated her game this year mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. um she deserves to be right there with lee in terms of big 12 player of the year well it's yeah, going to be probably uh, definitely the most athletic in that matchup i think and she can boy can she get up and down the floor i've been watching some of the games the, the two texas games man she was tremendous yeah, you know, she got four fouls the other day, and I think the strategy became that she was going to snowbird, and as soon as they got a board, they just throw it down the court. Right. You know, right. pretty good strategy. Yeah, yeah. Snow, snowbirding works. Nobody likes it in pickup ball, but uh, <laughs> but it does work. It does work. We actually have a rule in our pickup games where uh, if you, you basically you can't snowbird, you have to come back and at least touch half court before mm. before you kind of streak out, but. You know, Bryce, at your age, don't you think that y'all ought to be playing the three-on-three version like they used to play in the women's game? (laughs) Shut up. Shut up. There was not even anybody there today. I just had to shoot around with with one other guy. So I did the same thing at Top Golf. Okay. All right. We're off the rails now. We're just into our uh, chit-chat. But uh, thank y'all for joining us. See you at the games. Hey, the podcast is best when it's off the rails. I like that. That's true. That's true. <laughs>